You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Everyone said... Amen, amen, amen. So good to see you. You can grab your seat today in church. Thanks, band. Great job, as always. So good. So good to be home in Chester with you all today. Uh, It's been eight months, eight months since Pastor Lee last invited me. Eight months. Can you believe that? I haven't had... In fact, he didn't invite me today. I just invited myself. I said on Monday, I'm coming to Chester today. And uh, so it's great to see what's happening here. Congratulations on your vision offering. So brilliant. I think that's probably the largest vision offering we've ever taken in the history of our Chester location. And let me tell you, church, you're going to need it. Planning permission for the new building goes in in the middle of February, which means that we are so, so close. We have mortgage secured, ready to go for what will be an amazing space for the next season. We're not renting the next building. We're planning to buy the next building. And uh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a brilliant place for Sunday church. So place to grow on a Sunday. And, uh, and not only that, but all the midweek stuff that we'll be able to do for the community, for kids, for all ages, which will be mega as well. As we always said, a building is the vehicle to the vision and the vision is always people. How many of you know that? And so that's why we are doing the hampers and we're doing the, the give through Christmas because we just want to be a blessing to our community. Special shout out to my Viking friends from Denmark. Welcome, guys. Good to have you with us. When you go home, make sure you do a Google review on the hygge in this place, okay? The lighting, the atmosphere, and all those sorts of things. If it's a negative review, don't post it. Just come and talk to Pastor Lee and say you got all these things wrong. But if it's good, you can post it on Google. And make sure you follow church on Instagram. You'll know that early last year, was it? We lost our Instagram handle because Instagram decided they didn't like the gospel. Anyway, it's back up now. So make sure you you get on that and make sure you, you post about church and everything that God is doing through this season. And also, don't forget, book in for Christmas. I think in the last sort of, in the first five days from from Sunday last week, we'd sold something like 1,400 tickets just in five days. And so all the campuses are selling out really quick. And so make sure you get that. If you can't afford a ticket, just go to Pastor Lee and we'll make sure that you get it for free. It's free anyway. Oh, there you go. That's that's even better. Cool. We are going to start our Christmas series today, everybody. In all locations, we're talking about Christmas. It's called Advent. We're going to talk today about stepping into the light. And in this Advent season, with the Christmas trees up, and also, Pastor Lee, did you make an announcement to the church before about your Christmas tree? Come on, you should come and do that. Church, our Christmas tree is taller than Manchester's. 20 foot, come on. There's still room to grow for that tree as well. You can put it on a bigger box and, and make it higher. So we're doing Christmas and we're starting today through all locations. So Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, and then we're going to do verse 6 and 7 as well. It, say, it says this, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
And then we go on in verse 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, Prince of, and in your house, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your bank account, in your mental health, we pray a Prince of Peace to move in your life in Jesus' name. The Bible says, of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal, the passion, the commitment of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, will accomplish this. I love this Bible verse over a Christmas season. It's such a great Bible verse for us to have at the start of our Advent Christmas series. I've got a little bit of a, I don't know, a pet peeve, I think, when it comes to Christian people not you guys because you're perfect, but the Manchester people. That when Christians send me Christmas cards with penguins and ducks and dolphins, it winds me up. I'm like, no, no, send, send a Bible verse at least, you know. Write to Marks and Spencers if they've only got dolphins and ducks and dogs pooping and say, why do, you get, why do you get a gospel message in there, you know? A few years ago, I wrote to Tesco because I couldn't find any Bible passage at all, anything about the baby. It was all about all sorts of weird things. And so I wrote to Tesco and they said thank you for your letter and in actual fact next year they actually had some some proper Christmas like baby you know baby in a manger stuff and I, I don't know if my email helped but it certainly didn't hurt and uh, and I love this uh, for a child is born to us the Bible says and it's a fascinating passage in scripture because it's really kind of starting off here in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 where it's talking about people who are walking in the wrong direction I wonder if you've ever found yourself going in completely the wrong direction I am old enough to remember A to Z you know what I'm talking about uh, do you anyone, nobody under 30 does. An A to Z, an A to Z is a book that used to have maps in it and it used to direct us when we used to go places, right? Thank God for sat-navs, that's all I want to say. There are two things that saved my marriage. Number one, the dual heating control in our car saved my marriage. Because my wife, I don't know what's wrong with her. She's like a cold-blooded mammal. When her feet touch my legs at three o'clock in the morning, I am instantly awake because she's always cold. And she always wanted the car hot. And I always want the car cold. And so most of our arguments in the early years of our marriage were about heating up, heating down in the car. And then they brought out dual control, thank God. So she can sit on her side and sit in the climate of hell. And I can sit on the other side in the climate of heaven because we're so different. But I got to tell you with the A to Z, is it A to Z or A to Z? Okay, all right, whatever. The A to Z, right? I got to tell you, the amount of times that my wife would be kind of navigating and we would be driving, and she'd say, Turn right now. 
I'm like, you mean back there, honey? Yeah, back there. Well, why didn't you tell me 100 yards ago? And the whole, you know, conversation would happen. And of course, she's Latin, so she always wins the argument. Uh, but invariably, I'd find myself on, on dual carriageways, on uh, motorways at times, you know, ring roads around Chester, etc., going in the wrong direction. I knew where I needed to go but I was going in the wrong direction. And sometimes I didn't even know where I needed to go because I was just so busy going in the wrong direction. This is what's happening here in Isaiah chapter nine. In Isaiah chapter nine, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he's saying, hey, there are a people who are caught in darkness. They're going in the wrong direction, but now they have seen the light, the light is coming to show them the way that they should go. You know, I think church that in all of our lives, we know what it's like, don't we, to go in the wrong direction. I remember when I was a 16 year old boy and I got my first girlfriend. Three days into this relationship with this first girlfriend, I knew we were going in the wrong direction. I knew, not that anything had happened between us, but it was just that somewhere deep on the inside, I knew that this girl was not the girl for me. I was going in the wrong direction. Maybe you're in this room and you know what that's like and it comes to a job, a career path. You're in a, in a job that pays the bills, but there's no joy and there's no satisfaction and when you put your head on the pillow at night, there's a reluctance in getting up in the morning to go to work because you know you're on a career path that is actually the wrong journey, the wrong path for you to be on in life. Listen, the reality is this, is relationships in some senses are easily fixed when you're on the wrong path. And if you're in a career path that's the wrong journey for you and you go in the wrong direction, that's in some senses easy to fix. But there are other journeys that we go on that are more difficult the wrong path of unforgiveness. The, the, the wrong path where, where unforgiveness eats at us on the inside. And when we think about that person or we think about what they did, it, it twists us up in knots and we're going down the wrong path. Maybe there's a wrong path of, of pride. Maybe there's a wrong path that we're finding ourselves going down that is, is maybe an addiction or a habit of some sort that you can't shake and you can't shift. Well, in this scenario right here in Isaiah chapter 9, the Bible's telling us that even when we're going down the wrong path, at least the light has come to show us the right path. One of our challenges in society today is this, is there is almost a sense where every truth is celebrated. Your truth, my truth, their truth, everybody's truth. But one thing that I have discovered is this, is that even when a thousand people are shouting about a truth that's not true, it doesn't make it true because truth is not dependent upon consensus. And one of the things that we've got to try to identify, especially when we're talking about spirituality, when we're talking about the things of God, is what is the right path and what is the wrong path? Here in Isaiah chapter nine, Isaiah is saying, hey, there were people walking the wrong path, the wrong journey, but the light came to show them a new way. This is Advent. Advent means three things. It means arrival, it means presence, and it means coming on the way. 
And so what happened is this, is Isaiah, he actually spoke about the light that was to come, Jesus Christ. He spoke about it 700 years before Jesus actually arrived on the scene. And what Advent season is, is that it's it's this expectation, it's this hope of the arrival of Jesus Christ. We, we know He has come. Now, we know He has come 2,000 years ago, but we also, friends, live in the anticipation that Jesus will come back. So even though Advent is about the fact that Jesus has come, we actually live thinking any day He could come again. So Advent, Christmas, doesn't just remind us of what happened It's actually a daily reminder of what will happen again. It's called the second coming. And every time you open your Christmas calendar door and take out another chocolate, you're opening the door in anticipation of the second advent, the second coming of Jesus, because the Bible says that He will come again. And so the Bible says there's great darkness that people are walking in, but... It's an encouragement for us to step into the light of Jesus. So at the start of our series, let me just give you three things to think about in this Advent season, what the Advent season reminds us of. And the first thing it reminds us of is this, in this Christmas season, is that friends, you can trust God's timing. And I know God's timing is frustrating because God doesn't usually work according to our time because He's outside of time. He's not controlled by time. We say things like, I can't wait till tomorrow, but God never says that because He's already in tomorrow. God's also in yesterday, which is why if we're going down a path of unforgiveness and we struggle with the issues of the past, God is still in our past and can help us fix up our emotions for today so it doesn't affect our tomorrow. Anybody confused? I hope so, because God doesn't fit in a man-made box called our brain and even our understanding. He's outside of absolutely everything. And so what Advent teaches us, church, is this, is you can trust the timing of God. Even when you're frustrated, you can still trust His timing. Here's what Matthew 4 says. Matthew 4, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Why do I read that passage? It's because Matthew chapter 4 is the fulfillment of the first verse that we read in Isaiah chapter 9. And the gap between Isaiah 9 and Matthew 4 is 700 years. 700 years earlier, Isaiah said, a light is coming and it will show you how to live a different way. 700 years. And within that, we have that intertestamental, the, the in-between part between the Old Testament and the New Testament of 400 years where we have nothing whatsoever. So not only do we have 700 years, in the middle, 400 years, nobody knows what's going on, but Matthew 4 is teaching us, you can trust the timing of God. Don't you hate waiting? Come on, let's be honest. Don't you hate waiting? 
Like I was driving with a friend this week from Australia and we were driving up and down the country and he said, I'm hungry. We pulled into McDonald's and I said, what do you want to eat? And then your friend, my friend goes and maybe you've got a friend like this. He said, can I have a fillet of fish? (laughs) Question number one, who the heck orders fillet of the fish? No way. Two in a room of 350 people. Secondly, you know when they order fillet of fish that firstly the McDonald's staff are going to faint because nobody's ordered fillet of fish for years. And thirdly, you know that they're going to tell you these horrible words. Please will you go to the waiting bay. And you know that they're going to leave you there while they go and find the fillet of fish Go to the local river, fish it out of the freezer. I don't know. It's been frozen for, for years. And, and how do you cook it? I don't know how to cook it. And four hours go by and finally some scabby little fill of the fish. Who knows if it's actual fish? We don't know because none of us eat it apart from these two crazy people over here. You end up being stuck. You end up waiting. I've got to tell you, I hate waiting. I think we all do because we're living in a fast world, don't we? I'm old enough to remember when you were watching a TV show, you had to wait until next week for the next episode to come out. Anybody remember that? Yeah, but now we have online streaming and how many of you know now we don't wait till next week. We just say, just one more show. Yeah, just one more show. And it's 4 a.m. in the morning. You've got to get up for six at work, but just one more show because we're living in this instant world and we hate waiting, hate waiting. Listen, Audacious Church at Manchester Central location is 16 years old. And when we were two as a church, this couple decided to get married. He is African-born, African-raised, recently moved to England. And she was a proper mank, a proper Manchester girl. And they got married. And when we sat in the pre-marriage interviews... And I'm coaching them on marriage and we're going through, you know, all the steps to a healthy and productive marriage. How do you stay married long term? And all those things that we're dealing with, conflict resolution and that. On the last day of our marriage counselling, I looked at them both. I said, the wedding's at 11. Yes. What time do you plan to arrive? They said about 11. I said, that's good. About 11. The groom arrived 10 to 11. The groomsman's family arrived 5 to 11. The bride made us wait an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes that I am never going to get back ever again. I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to say to me, what did you do with your time, son? I'm going to say, I waited at the wedding And here I am 14 years later, still struggling to forgive them for making us wait an hour and 40 minutes. And then five years later, she left the church, which annoyed me even more because she made me wait an hour and 40 minutes. I left the church because one of the small group leaders said something to her she didn't like, left the church. Three years after that, the, the wife and the husband, sadly, got divorced. But it made me even madder. I'm like, why did I wait an hour and 40 minutes? I, I'm trying to help you feel my frustration, the frustration you feel 
when you go to the dentist for an 11 o'clock appointment and it's 12 o'clock and you're still waiting to go in. How many of you know we all hate waiting? This is what's happening here. It's a period of, of waiting, but I want you to understand something about our God that in some senses the waiting is about us understanding that it's not about trusting His if He will, but when He will, and learning to have patience in the middle between the promise and the fulfilment of that promise. Learning to trust God. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges in the Bible, where when a promise was given to the characters of the Bible, whether it be Abraham or Moses or any of the characters of the Bible, the difference between the promise and the fulfilment is this bit in the middle called the waiting. Will we trust the timing of God. And what's amazing about these passages that we've read today is this, is that in Isaiah chapter nine, God says, hey, you're walking in darkness and you're walking the wrong way, but light is coming. Light is coming. Advent is on the way. You see, church, I want you to know that God's promises have no use by date, that I run out of time. God's promises don't go stale. It's not about if, it's about when. And I think part of our instant society today is, is, is working against the patience of the waiting for the promise and the fulfilment. I know some years ago, I told you the story about when my kids were little and I took them to the Trafford Centre in Manchester. And they said to me, Daddy, Daddy, we want, we want to go to Boost Juice. Their favourite shop was Boost Juice, not the Disney store when it was there. Boost Juice, they wanted a mango magic. And so we drove to the mall. Sophie was on the south coast of England at a conference somewhere. My son was, my daughter was six, my son was three. And I said to them, listen, if you're good, then after the eighth shop, we're gonna go to Boost Juice and get you a mango magic. And they're all excited and we got in the car and, and my son who was three, he goes, Georgia, Georgia, what supplement do you want in your mango magic? And she said, I want the lime grass. And my three-year-old said, I want the detox. And I'm thinking, you kids are weird. <laughs> we get to the mall and after every shop, mango magic, no, no, yet, 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 mango, until the eight shop, mango magic, yeah, come on kids. And we held hands and like a scene in Mary Poppins, we skipped through the mall until we got to Boost Juice. But there was a line of about seven or eight people. Now, I, I told you I hate waiting, right? Yeah, but I love my kids. So I waited and we got to the counter. Uh, Sir, what can I get you? I said, uh, a child-sized mango magic with lime grass and another mango magic with detox, please. And she says, that'll be about 450 quid, sir. I said, no problem. So I gave her my debit card. And she said, sir, I'm really sorry. We don't accept card. We only accept cash. And I thought, what country am I living in? that you only accept cash. I felt like saying, shall I bring a camel and barter next time for this? But I didn't, just in case she was in our church. You never know. I said, kids, come on, we're gonna have to find an ATM. We walked through the mall and every ATM had a sign saying out of order apart from one. And that one ATM that was working had a line of 40 people. Now I love my kids, just not that much. So I said, kids, come on, let's just wait until the line goes down. We kept walking past. The line was getting bigger. There was clearly a problem in the Trafford Centre that day. 
my kids stopped talking about Mango Magic. And then I saw a sign, car park. So we went outside to the car and got in the car. I heard the click clack of the seatbelts. And as we backed out of the, the parking space, my son goes, Daddy, Mango Magic. And then my daughter, Mango Magic. And they're both, Mango Magic, Mango Magic. I said, but kids, it was so difficult. You see what happened? Eight people in a line, nine people. No, no car, cash, card only. Machines not working. 40 people in a line. And then my daughter, who's six, who was far more God conscious than most Christian adults, said to me this, but Daddy, you promised. And I wanted to kill her. I wanted to take her out of the car and say, anybody want to take a child? You can, you, can, you can adopt this. We don't even need to do papers. Take the girl now. In fact, take the son while you're at it and his detox agent, etc. But you know something that had a point? My son joined in, Daddy, you promise. And then Georgia said, Daddy, I know what we'll do. If you drive around the M60 to the other side of Manchester, Daddy, there's a bank on that side. They always have money for you. We wait in the car. We promise we'll be good. You can go in and you can get cash and you can take us to the other boost juice in the middle of Manchester and get a mango magic. And I said, but kids, it's so far. They said, but daddy, you promised. Because to a child, problems don't hinder promises. Listen, if God made you a promise, He saw the problem before you knew the promise. And somehow in the genius of God, He has factored in the problem that you think is messing up His timing, but He's always had a plan. What Christmas teaches us is this. It's an annual reminder that God does what He says He will do. You can trust His timing. God's got this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes across this place for a moment? I want to take a moment to pray for you. Maybe you're in this room and you're saying, you know what, Glenn, I'm frustrated because I've carried a promise that I believe God gave me. Maybe it was in a moment in prayer. Maybe it was in church. Maybe it was in one of our church conferences. Maybe you were reading the Bible and you got a God thought and that God thought stirred your heart and you felt like it was a promise from God. But right now, you're greatly frustrated because the promise hasn't yet come to pass. Christmas reminds us that what God says, God will do. And I want to just pray that God would just give you just a strong revelation and understanding that He's still got you and He hasn't forgotten. If you're frustrated right now in the midst of a promise and a fulfillment, lift your hands to heaven just quickly. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Could be about a million different things in your lives. Just lift them up. Hold them up. Hold them up. Well, Lord, you see us in church here right now with hands lifted. My hand lifted also. Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful reminder this morning that what you promised, you will fulfill. And Lord, in the midst of our frustration, God, we love you. We honor you. But we are so frustrated at times in the timing of things coming to pass. Help us, I pray, to relax in the confidence that you've got this. Help every person responding in this moment, I pray, to be confident in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God just a shout of praise for a moment. That's worth, that prayer is worth praying over and thanking God for.
So we're gonna, we're gonna, first thing is this, we're gonna trust his timing. Secondly, we're nearly done, is, is we get to, Advent reminders that we get to experience his life. His life. John chapter eight, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will never be lost, will never live with, with confusion that lasts forever, will never be in a state of waking up and thinking, what's the point of life? Why am I here? But will have the light of life. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is the light and the light brings life. The thing about light is this, is the first thing God did in Genesis chapter one is he said, let there be light. And there was light because light sustains life. The first thing God did is he created the S-U-N to bring light to the world. And then sometime later, he sent his S-O-N, his son Jesus, to come and bring light and life to every single one of us. And we have a choice again this Advent, this Christmas season, to either embrace the light and life and hope that comes through Jesus Christ or just ignore it. Light and life through Jesus. Just before COVID hit, remember COVID? Before the world went mad and we all got locked down. I remember being with my family, we were in California. And my son and I late one night, we were driving a rental through this small town and we were looking for something. We got out of the rental vehicle, the, the, the car hire, and, and we walked down the street a little bit and, and the, the particular place we were looking at was closed. And so on this kind of dark secluded street in this mountainous village in, 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 in California, as we walked back towards the car, I stopped and blood drained out of my body. And I says, Jaden, look! A bear. And where I was looking and where I was pointing, there was a fully grown bear walking across the road on all fours. It was taller than my head, walking on all fours. And he had his cubs behind him. And we were from here to the Christmas tree away. My son was doing the millennial walk, you know, head down on his phone. And I stopped, Jaden, look, a bear. And he says, oh, don't be silly, dad. I said, look, a bear. And he stopped. He went, oh my gosh. It was one thing him hearing what I was saying, but when he looked to what I was pointing at, everything changed. Hold that thought. C.S. Lewis, the author of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, he said this in his essay on meditation in a tool shed. He said this, today I was standing in a dark tool shed. The sun was shining outside and through the crack at the top of the door, there came a sunbeam. From where I stood, that beam of light with the specks of dust floating in it was the most striking thing in the place. Everything else was almost pitch black. I was seeing the beam, not seeing things by it. I was seeing the light, but not seeing things by the light. Then I moved so that the light fell in my eyes. Instantly, the whole of the previous picture vanished. I saw no tool shed. 
And above all, I saw no beam of light. Instead, I saw framed through that irregular gap at the top of the door, I saw green leaves moving on, uh, branches moving on the tree outside. And beyond that, I saw 90 odd million miles away, the sun. Looking along the beam and looking at the beam are very different experiences. Looking at the light or looking along the light are very different experiences. You see, when you look at religion and you look at church and you look at Christians, it's like looking at the light. But when you actually look at where we're pointing, things change perspective. Because this is not about a building and it's not about a band and it's not about a preacher and it's not about the chairs and it's not just about a way of life. It's like C.S. Lewis descriptive here. He says, as I looked around the light, through the, along the beam, I actually saw the sun 90 million miles away. And what we're encouraging you to do this Christmas is don't get caught up in what's happening in the Christian message per se, but look along the light and see Jesus. You see, that's what happened to me when I was 12. Because I'd grown up in church and, and I knew the church liturgy and, and I knew so much about the Christian message and the Christian way. And, I, and, and for years and all my life, I'd looked at the light, I'd looked at the beam, but when I actually looked along it and I saw Jesus at the age of 12, everything changed. Exactly like C.S. Lewis said. He said, I was looking at the light, but when I looked along it, I saw something different. And we saw this crazy idea today, didn't we, of people getting baptized. That happened to me when I was 12. When all of a sudden, Jesus made sense. The, 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 the idea of Christmas, the idea of Easter, the idea of purpose, the idea of everlasting, long-lasting peace, all of a sudden it made a difference because I experienced the light and the life of Jesus. Not from a distance looking at the light, but by looking along the light and seeing Jesus, it made all the difference. Changed my life. And this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to do the same. Don't just look at the tree and the garnish and, and, and the food and, and, and listen to the Christian message, but look along it. Look where we're pointing. When you discover Jesus, it will change everything. Like the young Baptist preacher in the southern part of America, he was a bit frustrated because people were leaving the church and people weren't coming to church. And so he went to see the old Baptist preacher. And the old Baptist preacher, an old man was sitting on his rocking chair and he was smoking his pipe. And the young Baptist preacher made an appointment to see the old Baptist preacher. And the young Baptist preacher came and said, hello, sir, thank you for seeing me. And the older man, the statesman, he said, no problem, grab a seat, gave him some orange juice and said, what's the problem, young man? And the young man said this, he says, the problem is this, he said, I see people leaving the church, but people are not coming back to church. Why is that? And the old Baptist preacher took a puff on his pipe and drank some of his orange juice. He said, well, you see my dog over here? And the dog was just running around in the front garden on this big property. His name's Bluey. He said, the other day, Bluey 
saw a rabbit and started to chase a rabbit. He said, I had such a great time sitting on the front veranda watching Bluey chase a rabbit. He loves chasing rabbits. He's never caught one before, but he loves the chase. And he said, and I watched him for what seemed like the longest time, Bluey chasing the rabbit. He was barking. And because he was barking, the other dogs that I have that are out the back, they joined the pursuit as well. And because Bluey was running, because Bluey was barking, the other dogs were running and they were barking. And he said, and one by one, all the other dogs stopped their barking, stopped their pursuit. And in the end, it was just Bluey chasing the rabbit. And he finished the story. And the young man, he's a bit perplexed. He says, I, I don't understand the question. Uh, did did uh, the, the story, did Bluey catch the rabbit? And the old man said, it's the wrong, wrong question. The question you should be asking is, why did all the other dogs run and then stop running? And so the young man said, well, why, why did the other dogs stop running? And the old preacher, he looked at the young man. He said, it's very simple. The reason the other dogs stopped running is because they never saw the rabbit. You see, I've got to tell you that when it comes to the church and the Christian message, the idea of community, the idea of encouragement, the idea of God is a wonderful thing and many people fall in love with the idea of it. But friend, if you never actually see Jesus, you'll never run the distance. And that's why I want to say to you that in this, this, this Christmas Advent season, you can experience his life and his light during Advent in Jesus' name. And I want to finish with this. And it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. It says this, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And I love that. In the first sense, you can trust his timing. Secondly, we can experience life and light in Jesus this Christmas season. And the third thing is this, is that we can be confident in His reign. It will have no end. My favourite TV show is called West Wing. West Wing's brilliant because I don't understand American politics anyway and West Wing kind of, you know, made it more interesting. I still don't understand it. But what a brilliant show, 10 seasons. I've watched it all, all the way through twice, but I have never, ever watched the last episode because I don't want it to end. I love the script writing. I love the humour. I love the learning process. But we all know this. Everything comes to an end. My football team, I'm a born and bred, raised Manchester City fan. Supported them all my life. I've been to Grimsby and watched us lose against places like Grimsby and other such places. I'm not a glory boy. Followed them forever. And we've won, what, seven titles, whatever it is, in the last 10 years. And it was amazing in 2012, being at the game when Aguero scored the goal. And we won the premiership for the first time in my life. I was sitting next to the author, John Bevere, and the preacher. And he looked at me. He said, how come you're crying? He said, the first time I've seen you cry is at a football game and not in church. I said, no, John, you don't understand. It's way more important than church. <laughs> he kind of didn't understand that sense of humor. But I understand this, that reigning comes to an end. United, the other team, 
in Manchester. Well, technically, they're not in Manchester, they're in Trafford. There's only one team in Manchester, Manchester City. But the other team, you know, the one with the devil on their shirt, you know, the devil worshippers, the devil worshipping team, they, 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 they won everything for years. And then their, their season at the top came to an end. And I know the same will happen to City because we know this. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time and a season for everything. Seasons come, seasons go. Things start, things stop. Relationships start, relationships stop. A job starts, a job finishes, but there's one thing that will never come to an end. And that is the reign of Jesus Christ. Did you know countries come to an end? Two months ago, I was going to a, a hospital appointment about my eye. And for those of you asking, thank you for your prayers for my eye. I'm still on the journey of healing in that eye. 30% vision in that eye, which means when I look at Lee from this eye, you look so attractive, man. You're amazing. And when I look through the perfect eye, I'll put the glasses back on, shall I? My taxi driver said, I said, where, where are you from? He, he clearly had an accent. And he said, oh, you won't know my country. I said, why? He said, my country doesn't exist anymore. I said, what? I had a little bit of research. It turns out that since time began, 1,114 nations and kingdoms have come and gone because everything comes to an end. But the Bible says of the reign of Jesus Christ, there will be no, no end. And I love that. So this Christmas season, we have good news and we have bad news. This Christmas season, we can understand that the good news, well, let's start with bad news. The bad news is that everybody will die once. That's bad news. But the good news is that God gives us all the opportunity to be born twice. Die once, born twice. Let me read you the story in John chapter three. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, very truly. It's, this, it's actually a court of law statement 2,000 years ago. Truly, truly, fact upon fact, absolute truth. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, this eternal kingdom that has no end, unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus, the religious ruler asked, surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Recently I was in London and somebody said to me, oh, are you one of those born again Christians, are you? And I said, I don't think there's any other type. These are the very words of Jesus. The moment that the idea of Christmas, the Advent season, the idea of life, suddenly it makes sense because we're not looking at the light, we're looking along the light and we're seeing the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to finish Thank with you moment. for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.